Well, it's lovely to see you. Welcome, everybody, if you're watching at home. Um, hello, 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 hello. My name's Tom. I'm the vicar, and it's great to be able to have you with us today. A couple of things I'd just love to say first of all, if I can. Just want to, this is kind of, if, if you, you're here with family and you're checking this out, they just dial out right now. This is going to be really not of any interest to you. I just want to speak to our church family. We're changing, folks, super quick. I want to say we're changing the way we do some of our communications because some of the feedback has been from people is we don't know what's going on. And neither do we, folks. So we just pray all the time. Jesus, what are we doing today? That was a joke. Well, you are a tough crowd. So I'm just going to carry on just... Most of my sermon today is gags, so that's going to hold up well, isn't it? So we're changing the way that we are going to be communicating. And if you've been around for our church for a while, particularly pre-pandemic, a lot of the way that we communicated to our church family was through kind of notices on Sundays. Now, we had a little bit of that today, but essentially going forward, that isn't something we're going to do. Okay, and this, I'm going to say what it is we're going to do. A lot of what is happening in the next season will be on our website. Okay, I know it's kind of very naughties, but we have this thing on a website, and so it'll be on that. Okay. The second thing is, a lot of what is happening is going to come through on an email. And, and the, let me tell you why we're doing that. We are going to launch an app in the next couple of weeks. Okay. So it's, it really is more exciting than, I know you're excited, I know you're just hiding the excitement, okay? So the idea is, there is so much that is going on that we can't spend 20 minutes or even 10 minutes because we want to create space for people to encounter the presence of God. There's loads of stuff going on, so we're just going to push it into an app, okay? That doesn't mean, folks, if we don't mention it from the front, it's not being endorsed, but what we're trying to do is streamline the way we communicate. And I just want to paint a picture of why this is complicated. We have a gathering that starts at 9 o'clock in the morning. Those guys are all over TikTok. You would not believe it, okay? <laughs> and what they say is we just want more TikTok, please. And so we've got some folks who don't use the internet. Hardcore, praise God. We've got some folks that want love to get stuff in snail mail. We've got some folks that would love to have carrier pigeons. Um, we've got a vast majority of our church that gets information from social media. And we've got some people in our church who think that's terrible. Why would you want to do that? And so we've got some people who only insist on getting information from email, even though only 50% of the people actually read the emails because we can count. And we know who opens the emails. So let's go to the next slide, please, if we can. No, no, I'm joking. Um, and we, so we're going to look at creative ways to be able to communicate to our church family. And truth is, post-pandemic, attendance patterns have changed. When I was a kid, about five years ago, that um, people would go to church twice on a Sunday. Can you believe that? Uh, now it's twice a month, and that's regular, post-pandemic. And this isn't a guilt thing. I'm not waving my finger wag, wave, and wagging my finger. T -t 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 -t. We are trying to be pragmatic. So if we front load all our notices to gatherings, we're only ever really speaking to 50% of our church family. And regular now is twice a month, and regular also for some is once a month. We know that from the amount of kids, who, the children who come to kids' church. Now, at some point, folks, life post-pandemic, praise Jesus, let it be post-pandemic, we are going to have to talk about that. What does it mean to gather on Sunday? But that's not for now. 
What I'm wanting to say is that we're changing the way we're going to communicate. We're going to try and do our best to make that super clear. But for the next few months, it's going to feel clunky. So if you want to know what's happening, get an email. And if you just, just go into your spam, because it's probably there if you've signed up, okay? Uh, or go onto our website. We're trying to put all the information there as best we can. If you're a six leader or a cluster leader, maybe check it out, get it on the WhatsApp. Help us out if you can. We know it isn't working. We're trying our best to fix it. So in this season, I'd love you to extend grace to us as we work that through. Is that cool? Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, folks, and the other thing would um, be two, two, two things, super quick, really. Uh, we're now to the season of Lent, where the churches, uh, our churches has really done Lent beautifully, I think, for as long as I can remember. I first came here 21 years ago. Um, I just love that we, we block out. If, you, if you're not from that kind of tradition, we, we try and minimize the space. It's a season where we are cutting stuff out. I've given up social media. Do you know how I don't miss it at all? I've give, we've get close and I've given up sweet things. I tell you what, that is a struggle. I think I've got sugar withdrawals or something, but it's pretty, it, it's not good. Anyway, and the biscuits keep, and the reason because the biscuits towards me, folks. They say, eat me. So I was feeling I need some victory over the biscuits. So it's a season where we, we, we surrender. Culture says the more you have, the better you'll become. Actually, the way of the gospel is surrender. And so we create space to encounter the Lord in this season, trust and pray that God is going to move in different ways. And this season, we're looking at my father's heart. And I just want to say two quick things about that. Um, over the last couple of years, in, in probably in the words of Alan Partridge, in my, at various low points, a really weird experience happened to me. Um, and I should caveat it by saying I love Volkswagens. And, this, and, and then, the, then you'll see why it's weird. Um, Two, two particularly low points. One, I was coming back from a meeting somewhere, I think in Doncaster or Rotherham or something like that. I was also driving on the motorway just thinking, oh, man. <sighs> Did you ever have those moments? Or is it just me? You just think, God, what am I doing? And all of a sudden, because I love Volkswagens, these beautiful, I think it is, you may disagree, Volkswagen transporter van flies past me, not doing 70 miles an hour, I have to say. And on the side of it, beautiful, has written, my father's heart. And I was like, wow, okay. And then one day, I'm starting a counseling course, and I'm waiting at cross. I'm, I'm nervous about going, if I'm honest. I'm, 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 if I'm honest, I'm frustrated that I've got to do it. I feel like I'm in leadership. I, sh I shouldn't have to do this stuff. But, but I know, God, that you want me to do it. So we're waiting at traffic lights, and I kid you not, what do I see driving past it? That van again, my father's heart. Now, I thought it was driven by an angel or it was this miraculous thing. It's actually a kitchen company in Sheffield called My Father's Heart. Apparently, they make very nice bespoke high-end kitchens. But I took it as a sign of the kingdom. And I took it as a sign of God's heart. And so through the season of Lent, we're tracking with the Lord's Prayer which is we'll come to in a moment, starts with my father, Abba, in heaven. 
And I'm kind of thinking, you know, God, you kind of set this all out. And I'm in a taxi on Tuesday. I'm going to a leadership conference in Harrogate called New Wine Leaders. So I jump in the taxi and I'm chatting to the taxi driver and we get into the conversation around the war in Ukraine. Very, very, it's very clear from the off. He has a different geopolitical perspective on things than I do. When he starts to say it's all the Americans' fault, and President Biden could stop this if he wants. And I was thinking, I'm not sure where on, and then he kept saying to me, do your own research. I was thinking, I'm not quite sure we are on the same page here, brother. And he started to go on, and I said, you know, can I, I actually don't think President Biden can stop this, because I don't think only God can stop this. And the scripture, I believe in God, and I read the Bible, and I believe the Bible says, do not put your trust in princes. And that changed the conversation, folks, it's fair to say. And as he got out the, as I got out of the car, he said, I have an expert, I'm going to go, I said, I'm going to a conference with church leaders from around the country, because we believe in this time we need hope. And that changed it. We, we moved away from politics to other things. He said, the weather's nice, isn't it, mate? I said, it's a lovely day. It's a lovely day today. Folks, it seems to me that, that capturing something of God's heart for you and for me is the springboard into rethinking as a church about our call to pray. Because we've spent a whole month looking at vision. Gareth Ingle, I don't know if he's here today, but he's at the back and the balcony if you're, for the benefit of the tape. He's on the balcony. I thought it was absolutely brilliant um, what you shared last time. I'm so excited about the church planting for Bale. All power to you, brother. Okay. Um, it's going to require of us, folks, to rethink what it is to get into the throne room of glory and to call out to God, because Jeremiah tells us to pray for our city. So the question is, what is prayer? How do we even begin to think about prayer? And how do we pray about the things like our dishwasher is broken? Praise God, hallelujah. I'm just, I'm just rejoicing. Because the amount, of cost, the amount it's going to cost to fix it is almost as much as we paid for it. So can you pray even for a dishwasher when there is a nuclear superpower invading another country? Is it selfish? So what do we do? And what do we do? And what is God's heart for us? Super quick, folks. We're praying throughout Lent. Pick up a flyer on the way out before you ask. Yes, it is on recycle card. But join us, because we need to pray. We need to pray for our city. We need to pray for the nation that somehow God does something remarkable. Like breathes a revival. Again, in our nation, like of times gone before, as we are shaken. The pandemic has shaken our self-sufficiency. And now this invasion has shaken again another layer of self-sufficiency, of, of introducing us to themes that our parents and grandparents live with. And now we're revisiting ourselves. That the, I mean, I saw yesterday drive, drive back from the West Midlands, just price of diesel was like £1.71 a litre. Like, we're all going to feel that. So it feels like maybe the Holy Spirit is, is drawing us to a place where we're on our knees, crying out to God to bring breakthrough, to change, to change things. So this is what we're going to read. We're going we're gonna to read from Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through to 14, and I'm going to read that to us now. 
don't think it's going to be on the screen. I'm not sure if it is or... No, it's not. Okay, so just listen. If you've got a Bible, it's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through to 14. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. This is Jesus speaking. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask them. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts. And we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So here's, um, this is the word of the Lord, by the way. Thanks be to God. Um, so in my Bible, these words are in red, which means uh, they're the words of Jesus. And what Jesus is doing is beginning to speak into a culture, into a context that has a really clear understanding of what prayer is. I think it's been fascinating over the last couple of weeks, really, or no, a couple, a kind of eight or so days for, for, the, for the duration of, of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, is to see particularly secular journalists drawn to the power of prayer. I don't know whether you've seen that on social media, hashtag pray for Ukraine, whether you've noticed, I certainly have, that, that, what, that within a couple of the key news features was almost quite a moving account of how the people, the Christians in Ukraine, have been calling out to God. There has been like a, a spiritual resolve in the face of an overwhelming, people talk about, even people have used this biblical metaphor of David and Goliath for people to pray. Whether it be people are huddled underground, which I just cannot imagine with their tiny children, yet calling out to God. Whether it's people who've been Ukrainian, people who've been, who have been um, ex, kind of exiles, who've been going to churches to pray. Or whether it's people actually in Ukraine who've been filling churches to pray. Or whether it's the image of people standing in front of tanks, calling out to the God of heaven. To stop this invading army, there seems to have been something captured around why it is people pray. We all pray. In, as a friend of mine who was in the American Air Force said, his mother used to say, there's no atheists in a foxhole. Like we all pray when we're up against it. But it seems there's something captured. The church in that nation has been stirred to call to their father in heaven to bring a breakthrough. And that's profoundly challenging for our sophisticated, middle-class, often English ways, isn't it? A stirring of God's heart. And here Jesus is speaking to people for whom understand prayer 
And he's speaking to a practice where pagans would pray in a particular way. They would use a huge amount of words. And they'd use very technical words. And then you have, um, you have the Pharisees who would pray, who would, would love to pray very loud. I always love it when, when people pray very loud in church or people get very berserk in worship. You ever notice that? And I kind of think, do you do this at home? Because it's easy to do it in front of other people. I mean, I'm going for it when I'm in front of other people. I'm really hypocritical. Honestly, I really am. But maybe at home, it's like just checking Facebook. Nah. See, Jesus is speaking to a culture that is really fluent in prayer. He's speaking to a culture at particular times of the day. People down to tool and start to pray. Oh, God, whatever it is, that, that's the culture. So the culture where the more religious you are, the better you are, the louder your prayers the quality of your prayer. Or the pagans who use technical prayers to try and display to others just how good they are. And yet Jesus just absolutely sees through that and brings a particular challenge about what it is the heart internal attitude is going on when we pray. You know, I think there is a lot, we, we, can, we can test a lot. If you want to do like a spiritual MOT for your life, I used to think it was how much the Bible that I knew and I read, because I grew up a good evangelical. So for me, it was how much of the Bible every day am I reading? How much of the scriptures do I know? How much of it, how much theology do I know? And I think that is really important for the record, folks. Let the record show, I think that's absolutely true. But I think the litmus test, I'm of the view now, is what is the quality of my prayer life like? How are me and God when there's just me and him? Because I'm great in a prayer meeting. I'm great sat on the front row. But what am I like when I'm at home? And that's who Jesus is speaking to. In this context called the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain. He segues in the middle this really significant way we relate to God through prayer, through conversation. This is how we can get prayer wrong. Or this is how particularly our understanding of prayer gets twisted over time, becomes ineffective, becomes a chore, becomes a massive burden. Number one. We see prayer as transactional, or like a business deal, which is like this. I kind of like do my time for you, God. I'm, I'm here, God. I've checked in. Um, I have something to give, my prayers, and I have something to get, which I want you to give me something. So we're checking in, God. Like I remember uh, uh, chatting with a guy who was on a, a mission in Israel. I was chatting this guy who was a leader, and he said something at the time, I was really young, but at the time, I thought, that's a bit weird. He was talking to me. He said, if I fell, I didn't like not fall over as he had some kind of moral failing, I think is what he was referring to. He said, I think I'll be okay because I've been doing lots of stuff for God over the years. So it's like some kind of scheme, insurance scheme, where you pay in and pay in and pay in with God, and then you cash in when you have a bad day. You see, sometimes prayer can feel a bit like that, that I have something to give and he has something that I need. It's a little bit like we see at the end of Luke chapter 15 in the beautiful story of the prodigal son, where the older brother 
stands before the Father and he says, I've been slaving for you. All this work I've done, you never gave me a thing. It's like this sense of God. Do you not see, God, what I am doing for you? It's a relationship based on transaction. The more I do for you, God, the more you should return for me. And so Jesus is speaking to a culture where prayer is seen as transactional, where prayer is seen as religious in the sense that I'm praying better prayers than you. Or I'm praying particularly technique prayers, therefore I am better than you. And you know, we can all fall into the slight trap of hypocrisy. Take, for example, like, you know, you break your leg. And you say to your fellow Christians, this is the best broken leg I've ever had. I'm giving thanks to God for my, you know, like Christians put a positive spin on everything. Have you noticed that just me? Or reframe it. It's a bit negative, but I'll reframe it as God's will. God is teaching me about new levels of joy with my broken leg. And it's, and it's, to, save, it's to bring a super spiritual kind of shine on a really difficult situation. Because you don't be honest and say, Do you know, I've got a broken leg. It just sucks. It's really rubbish. Because it's so tempting, isn't it, to put a spin on it and say how much, how much I'm learning from this. Whereas privately, of course, it can be a different story. And Jesus is nailing that big time about prayer. Big time. Because here's the thing. When we have a transactional relationship that, that, that we, do, we do more to get God's approval, which is a kind of religious mindset, what can happen is that when God doesn't do stuff As we define it, when he doesn't meet our needs in a way that we think that we should, we get angry. Or we get disappointed. We get angry at worst or just disappointed. That just, God, you haven't done what I thought you should do. We really wanted these kids and they just don't sleep at night or they just take all our time and we're just frustrated with them and we're missing our old life. And God, why did you do it? Because you asked, I gave it to you. What should you know? We become frustrated. Or the flip side is, if he doesn't do stuff, we get anxious because we think, well, is it because I didn't pray enough? Have I not invested enough in my relationship with God for him to answer me? It's essentially a relationship that is built on transaction. And you know, when we pray, when we have those moments like Alan called us to pray earlier for Ukraine, sometimes it's like, it's like, it reveals the quality of our connection with God. Our prayer life is like the litmus test. It is like the spiritual MOT. And Jesus is speaking to a a culture that understands prayer as transaction. And it's his way of teaching prayer is radically different. And it starts like this. Our Father in heaven. It starts not with loud, shouting, screaming, not with technical words, but a deep, personal connection with our Father, Abba, Dad. When I first came to Sheffield in 2001, a really good friend of mine 
used to pray, Dad. And I was so offended when I first heard him do it. I thought, you can't do, oh. And you know, because his dad died when he was 21, it was more and more powerful. He used to start his prayers by, Dad, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Every prayer with Dad. And you know, some people think, oh, the Father, heart of God, oh, my Father. That's just so soppy. It's a bit touchy-feely. I know in Sheffield, I kind of don't like that stuff. But it's profoundly biblical. Exodus 4.22, when God stirs the heart of Moses to go rescue his people from Pharaoh, he says that Israel is my son, that the people of God are seen as his son, and his heart wants them to be rescued. The theologian N.T. Wright says the Sermon on the Mount of which these verses are taken should be mean. What does it mean? Should be renamed what it means to call God Father. You see, we don't come with the attitude of prayer. Is it like today, maybe even coming into church today, you feel guilty. I haven't done enough for you, God. I haven't done enough of my people of peace. I haven't done enough mission. Oh, my goodness, I haven't prayed about Ukraine. What do you pray about Ukraine anyway? So you just come in like feeling guilty and guilty and guilty. I just um, haven't done enough for you. And that's precisely who Jesus is speaking to. Jesus says, we pray our Father, Daddy, Abba in heaven. When we become a Christian, when we follow Jesus, our, we become like when the Apostle Paul talks about adoption. I have two nieces and they're adopted by my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. And they fought for them. And they still are in prayer because it's not always going very well. But they chose them. They paid the lawyer's fees. They met hours and hours and hours with the social services to plead their case. They're calling out to their friends and family to pray for them. They're all the emphasis was on them choosing those girls to become part of their family. is an image that the Apostle Paul uses throughout the Scriptures to explain something called the atonement, how we understand God's activity and his saving grace towards us. In the same way that those girls' status change from people who will be taken into the care of the state, they become part of a family. So you and I get to be called children of God. And that is mind-blowingly unbelievable. It means that our prayer life starts with this, our Father. It fuels access to God, not by virtue of my efforts or by my merits or how much I have done or how much I haven't done because I haven't done enough. But it doesn't work like that. It works on his activity, on his grace, on his love, and his passion for you and for me. It's not based on my efforts or my own works. It's based on him. And it works like this, that God, theologians remind us, is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it means in the same way as God is, and, and that's, by the way, theological aside, that's how we understand the nature of God. That's why we say that God is loving, because the Father and the Son and the Spirit all love each other in perfect unity. It's called perichoresis next time at the pub quiz, okay? But it means that's why we say God is love. And we, as the Father loves the Son now because of Jesus, he looks at you the same way he looks at Jesus Christ. That is mind-blowing. And he commits to you 
and to me. He's as committed to you and to me as he's committed to Jesus Christ. Luke 15, as the, as, um, the prodigal son, as the older brother, he's wrestling, oh, you haven't done this for me. All this stuff I've done for you. And the father turns to him and says, my child, you're always with me. You see, if we talk about prayer, and you think, oh, no. Oh, Heather's organizing Lent prayers. I suppose I ought to go, because I feel guilty if I don't. <sighs> a night of prayer, a whole night of prayer. You're joking. What do I want to do that for? Watch Netflix. Oh. You see, if you see it as transaction, whenever somebody met the prayer meeting, your heart will sink. More work. But if you start with our Father, you're like, God, you're with me and I'm with you. Start the day thinking, oh, man, I've got, to, I've got to check in with God. And, oh, flip, I've got loads to do. And it's like, no, we, our Father God, I've woken up and I've not done what I should have done, Lord. But you're here and I'm in you. How should we do the day, Lord? There's a shift. And that's the shift that Jesus is addressing. Conversation and prayer with God shifts from, like, you owe me, God, to thinking, God, it's all grace. Does that mean when we pray our Father, we don't have questions? No. In my own experience, it means sometimes I give up the right to know the answer. A couple of years ago, seven years ago, a friend of mine died. I'll never forget when his wife called and said, Andy's been taken to hospital, will you pray? And we prayed. And I don't think I'll ever forget when the call came to say that he died. And I took his funeral. God, three kids. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know we saw them in 10 days ago. And their son is massive. And by the grace of God, walking with Jesus. He sent me a link on YouTube to him hosting something at his church. Oh, God, may it be. I don't understand it. But, God, I don't want my heart to get cold because of disappointment or unanswered prayer. God, I don't want to be defined my experience of you not doing stuff. I don't want that to harden my heart, Lord, so that when I come into your presence, it's just awkward. When people pray out loud, I've got nothing to say because my heart is cold. It's like, oh, Father, I don't know why this happens. But I trust that somehow in your sovereignty, because you are in heaven, you're above it all, that somehow, like the heart cry at the end of Genesis, when Joseph before his brothers, is like what the devil intended for evil. Somehow, God turned it for good. And it's only in a tender-heartedness before God that we can hold on to hope. It might be today that there's pain with your children. Or there's just angst because your husband or your, your wife, they're, they're not with Jesus in the same way. And it's heartbreaking. 
You're like, God, why is this happening? Why is there a crazy man with nuclear weapons invading a nation? On the back of a pandemic, the timing sucks. God, why? And we don't know. But we do know that there is evil in the world. When Tolkien and Lewis and Carol came from the First World War, which started the Death of God movement, they wrote Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Lord of the Rings, to show of a great battle between the heavenly forces and darkness. And the key in the midst of it, folks, is prayer. And the battle is to not let our hearts get cold and hardened through disappointment, endless disappointment. It's to say, God, we come into your presence and we don't know. And my prayer is often, God, I don't know why my friend died. I do know I'll see him again. And I'll pray, God, in the devastation of that, that somehow... The hearts don't get hard. Somehow you work your beautiful resurrection power. And you know, folks, I felt that sometimes through the pandemic, we've lost a little bit of that in our church family. Like, we are a charismatic evangelical church. But my fear is some of our disappointments have hardened our heart to his presence. So when we call on him, there's a, oh, I don't want to come near me, God. We've got some business that we need to do. Because I've got some, you haven't done what I think you should have done, God. I'm a bit annoyed about this. And you know, I think he just says, come. Our son, bless him, in our old house, we had an arrangement in, the, in our room where I slept near the door, which I think Clarissa quite like that. And Because um, uh, my son would... Um, our son would um, rush into our bedroom at like three or four o'clock in the morning and he said, can't find my mini car. And what would happen is he, the door would fling open so much so that it crashed into the bed. It was like, he said, I can't find my mini car. Because, you know, when you're that age and you can't find your mini at three or four o'clock in the morning, it's perfectly reasonable to go wake somebody up to help you in that, isn't it? And so blurry eyed, you'd be like, oh, get back. in. Oh, no, I need my mini. Oh, I found it. Get back into bed. It used to annoy the heck out of me. It really did. But that's what a child is like with a father. That's the access, folks, that we have to him. The one who's above it all. Not based on, I didn't do this, or I haven't done that, or my relationships, this isn't good. Or that. Just walk in. God, where's my mini car? God, the dishwasher's broken. Well, I'm busy with a few other things. <laughs> God, there is a, a maniac invading another country. God, what do I pray? I don't know what to pray, Lord. But I pray, our Father, come do something because you are infinitely more powerful than me. And I don't know what to pray. God, I'm rubbish at mission. Will you go by the Spirit? Will you do it? And Will you do it, Lord? Oh, I'll, I'll just join in. God, I, I, I'm not very good at what I'm doing, Lord. Will you, just, will you just help me in it? I went to New Wine Leaders this way, and I, I made a decision that when people say, when I say, how are you, and people respond, oh, my church is doing well, we've had revival, this, and the I just, I was going to be honest, say, do you know, I find it overwhelming. I really, I really time with Gideon. I feel overwhelmed. I thought, I'm just going to decide to be honest. 
Because sometimes at leaders' conferences, it's like, ego. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, my church is this big. Hey. All right, mate. Um, so I'm just going to be honest. And it was amazing. Because everybody was like, I think that's right. Me too. There's a beautiful leveling of, do you know, God, I'm, I'm really struggling with this sometimes, but I think that you've asked us to do it. And if you've asked us to do it, I think you'll help us. Folks, if we're going to do some of the stuff we talked about over the last few weeks, the vision. As we learned from Gideon, we can't do it on our own. We, I mean, we, you know, we may be really good, but we need his power. So I'd love us to pray right now. We ask um, the band to, to come out if we can, Sam, and we're just going to respond to the Lord. Because I think this, the, the thing that strikes me about prayer is is prayer is the, the way that we access the Father. And what the uh, Bible reminds us, the Apostle Paul says that it's that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to testify to our inner life. It's, he actually says to our spirit, um, it means inner life, that we are, that he's our Father. And so for as long as I'm here, folks, uh, we'll always pray, come Holy Spirit. We'll always ask the Holy Spirit to come. Because as he comes, he reminds us, who we are. And as he reminds us who we are, he sends us out into the city, planting churches to be people of hope, to plant embassies of hope. So uh, I was just here the other day, somebody just told me earlier that in their workplace, they, they've been praying like stink on Zoom for the stuff in Ukraine. Wouldn't that be amazing if we start to see the Lord move powerfully in different ways? Because we are recognizing that we don't really know what we're doing, but we are children of a God who has it all. And as we start to walk in that anointing and in that authority as his children, when we go into places of, of our city as his children and say, do you know, we are just going to call out to the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. This stronghold is broken in Jesus' name. We're going to, I was walking around the city center on Friday. Thinking, Jesus, bring life to this city center. Let it not become a statistic of the pandemic. So we speak life over our city in Jesus' name. Speak life for those folks who have sicknesses and ongoing illnesses and try to speak life to the people that haven't come back to church in the pandemic. We speak it out in Jesus' name because we are connected as his children to our Father in heaven.